0: Welcome to Inspire On The Go. This season we are focusing on growing together. It's exciting to know that we can grow in our relationship with Jesus and friendships with one another. Daily, as we abide in Jesus and invite His Word to abide in us, spiritual growth takes place in and through our lives. So, what does growing together look like for you in your life and ministry setting? Grab a cup of coffee and join the conversation. Hey, sweet friends. It's Andrea. I hope that your day is off to a great start. I am loving this series on growing together, this concept of deep spiritual roots, simplifying our lives, inviting Jesus uh, to just challenge us to take steps of obedience and faith. And today we have an exciting episode with Courtney Rysick, and we're going to talk about spiritual growth that comes from studying God's Word. So, Courtney, welcome to the podcast. Thank
1: you for having me.
0: You're an, Arca- you're an Arkansas girl.
1: I am. So yes. tell us a little bit about you. I am a transplant to Arkansas, but I consider myself an Arkansan because all my kids were born here. Oh, well, that makes so, you yes. a legit And we're Arkansas not going girl. anywhere, so we're... Uh, <laughs> we, I have lived in Arkansas for almost 12 years. Okay. And so, in about a year, I'll have lived here as long as I've lived anywhere else. And wow. so, I really am in Arkansas, but I am a Southerner. I grew up in Texas. Okay. And I went to, I've lived all over, but we moved here about eight years ago to help be a part of a church plant. No, we moved here 12 years ago to be, yes. about, help be a part of a church plant. We were a part of that for eight years, and I've been at Emanuel Baptist Church since uh, for about three and a half years.
0: We are so excited to have you in Arkansas. Yeah. You are a gift. I just want you to hear this from my heart and from everybody else's heart. You are a gift to us because of the way you pursue Jesus, the way that you, are, um, you have a voice whenever it comes to just understanding the word of God Mm -hmm. and applying that word in a right way Mm -hmm. to our walk. And so uh, the corporate church is blessed and benefited because of your ministry and also your local church. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about um, your local church work Mm -hmm. and and how that came about, because I think that's really a neat story.
1: Yeah, so I've been at Emanuel as a church member for about three and a half years. We did church planning for eight years, and then we transitioned out of that. And then we came to Emanuel, but we've been in Little Rock this whole time. And we just started attending there, but my heart has always been to serve in the local church, but the Lord has allowed me to do kind of public ministry, writing, speaking, but my heart has always been to serve my local church, and about a year and a half ago, um, I was asked to come on staff. And I over—I'm the discipleship content director, so I started out part time. I hadn't been back in the workforce, uh, working in an office building. Like I had done freelance stuff since I had kids, but I hadn't like left the house in like clothes every day, to, you know? <laughs> <It's> different, like, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? <laughs> so I—it's uh, funny. Like my life has reversed. Like on my day off, I want to wear like. Athleisure and put no yes. makeup on, whereas, like, the reverse of my life used to be I wanted to dress up for something, and now I'm like, please don't make me dress <laughs> up for anything. So, yeah, um, isn't it funny how we
0: always want what we do? Oh, don't for have? sure, <laughs> for
1: sure. I used to hate cleaning, and now I don't really clean, and now I'm like, oh, I wish I could just clean for a day, which I, is I'm like not you. me. So, I'm with you, but, um, I've been on staff for about a year and a half. I'm the discipleship content director, I oversee, um, our uh, kind of adult curriculum for our our groups Sunday school, and um, I help do group training, and I also oversee um, our women's ministry at Emanuel. So, um, kind of the discipleship and education yeah. space is kind of what I'm in, and so I exciting. I do love it. So it takes yeah. my my love for for writing and teaching and training and allows me to serve in my church. And really that is where my heart has been. I wanted to be rooted and planted here. We love Little Rock, we love living here. We had thought maybe God was gonna take us out of Little Rock and we grew to love it here and then began praying about a way for us Mm -hmm. to stay. So my husband um, got a new job as well. So he's a a lay leader in the church and but both of us we met at Southern Seminary, so we both met in seminary and um, then moved here. That's exciting! Yep. That's so so neat how God
0: He always has a plan, he you does. know, and it's yes. such a journey. Yeah. You know, we learn so much about Him and ourselves mm-hmm. just in that pursuit, mm-hmm. and so uh, that's that's exciting. Now, tell us a little bit about your uh, relationship with the Gospel Coalition yeah. and uh, just different national organizations and and groups
1: I think a lot of that helped with I went when I went to seminary um, I don't think I realized at the time the the relationships that you make in seminary and the people that you come in contact with and then um, they go on to do other things and so that kind of helps and so I worked for um, I worked for Russell Moore on campus when I was a student and so he really gave me some opportunities to write there so my bachelor's degree is in writing so I started out with an English degree with writing emphasis. And so writing has kind of always been my thing. And then when I got saved in college, my heart was um, stirred towards ministry. And then that's where all this other stuff started coming out. But I met some people at Southern. The Gospel Coalition I don't think had started yet. But some friends of mine from Southern had started working Um, For them when they first started as editors, and so I just the Lord opened up opportunities for me to write here and there for for free. So a lot of people think, how do you get into publishing? Well, uh, you write for free for a really long time, (laughs) and then and you keep on keeping on, and you keep on writing. (laughs) And then when you get paid to write, it doesn't pay anything. And so very few people make a living writing. You have to have a bestseller, and that's very 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 unlikely. So I do not make a living off my writing, but I do love writing. So I made some connections there. And there was a period of time where there was just a very few um, women, number of women who were a part of the gospel, who were being invited to speak and do some of those things. And so the Lord um, kind of, I was always the youngest one in that group. And so the Lord allowed me to, to get to know some of them. And we were all starting women in publishing and Christian publishing was slowly growing at the time in that space, kind of the more conservative type space. And so the Lord allowed me to make some relationships there, and they welcomed me into their little group, and um, over time, I started having some opportunities, and I feel really fortunate because the Lord opened up doors. I always um, look at the pathways that I've had to writing and even serving in, on staff in a church, or the Lord um, put people in my life at the right time who gave me opportunities and opportunities. Um, so many of the things I didn't even, I, it's not that I didn't aspire to those things. It's not that I didn't aspire to work in a church and do what I do or write books or things like that. I just didn't know it was possible. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that people can see that with maybe my testimony or my story that, that it is possible. You can aspire to that and want that and, and see that it is, is a possibility. So then I've spoken at the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference a few times and— um, yeah, and um, one of my books is published through their partnership with Crossway, yeah. so my second book was. That's exciting. You know, always just thank the Lord that He puts us in the right place at yeah, the right time for with sure. the right people
0: for His right purposes. Yeah, and we see that as we look back at our story. Yes, and you mentioned that you were saved in college, uh-huh. so let's go back and let's yeah. talk about the backstory because I always think that gives such um, just neat detail to the current story. So take us back, tell us
1: about your journey with Jesus and how you met the Lord. Yeah, I was raised in a Christian home. So my parents, my parents, my dad became a Christian when he was um, in high school. So he was not raised in a Christian home. So um, I feel like my story began with his story and that my grandparents, who are still not walking with the Lord, um, sent him to church. And so what a great blessing. They sent him to church and he heard the gospel. And then he went, my grandma, my mom was raised in a Christian home. And so they met at a Christian college where my dad played football. And then they, so they committed to raise us in a Christian home. I have three brothers and we, um, we went through seasons of not being in church. And so there were periods of time where, um, I I think I growing up in the South, I grew up in Texas, you grew up in the South and, and it's just part of the cultural norm that you think you're a Christian because you, um, you pray before your choir concert. And so things like that, where I, I don't think I understood the gospel and understood, and I always struggled with sin. I I was a more, uh, outward sinner type of person. And so my sin was not an inward struggle as much as everybody knew that I struggled with sin. So I think that for me, um, it was just that cultural norm of being a Christian. So when I, when I got older and I was like, I don't want to live like that. I finally was like, well, I don't even want want to fake it. I don't even want to be a Christian. So I went through a period of time early on in college where I just rebelled and didn't want to walk with the Lord and didn't want to follow him. And then the Lord really, because of all the truth that had been poured into me as a child, the Lord really brought um, my sin to light in my own life and awareness. And I woke up one morning and was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Mm -hmm. And so um, I turned from my sin. And I, I wish I could say that like all those old habits died, and so my my testimony is not one of, like, I came to faith in Christ, and then I just was, like, this radical transformation. I mean, there were some things that were a complete radical transformation, but I think sanctification is such a slow process, and so there was this process of, like, falling back into sin and repenting, and falling back into sin and repenting, but I can say from that moment when I was 20 um, that the Lord— got a hold of my heart, and from that point on, I fought sin going forward, yeah. and I've seen progressive sanctification in my life, that I have continued to grow and walk with the Lord, and so I, I've, at that point, moved, my parents had moved to Michigan for my dad to pastor a church, and I moved up there, and then I finished college in Minnesota, so as a, a southerner moving to Minnesota, it was a <laughs> tremendous culture shock, <laughs> that was um, a big change, <laughs> oh it was, like I, I, I did not know how to function, I never acclimated to the cold, um, ever, or the snow. Right. And so it was just and so I've been slowly working my way back south ever since then. But I the Lord I was in a really good church there in Minneapolis and the Lord really grew me in my understanding of the word. And then from there um, I met some people from southern and I didn't know anything about seminary. I didn't know women went to seminary, mm-hmm. but I've always loved studying the yes. Bible and I've always gravitated towards theology. And so I when I heard that I could go to seminary, I was like, "Wow, well, I want to do that." So I, um, I went to seminary, and you met your husband there. I did, yes. We
0: want to mention that you are a boy mom. I'm a boy and mom. So l- yes, let's, you know, share those details. Yes, but married your husband, had children, yep. kind of established
1: that. Yeah. Yeah, we met in seminary. I went to seminary. I was convinced. I told myself I would not be one of those women who went to seminary and got married because I was going to seminary for ministry. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, we got married two years into my seminary career and I didn't finish seminary actually. So he graduated and finished in 2011 and I um, graduated a year ago. Yes. So I yes. finished. It's, so I took 10 years off and then I went back and finished. Um, and what it, is a sweet story of him is that he's always felt committed to me finishing. It just mm-hmm. wasn't. Uh, it wasn't in the cards for us financially at the time. And so I took 10 years off and went back when some, when I had kids, but I have four boys. So we moved here to plant a church. We were a part of that for eight years. We had our boys in that time period. I have twins and then I have two more boys underneath. Oh, wow. So, so you're
0: a busy lady. I, I am. mean, you're juggling all the roles and responsibilities. <laughs> Let's yes. talk about how you really focus on and cultivate a deep relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. in the midst of all those roles and responsibilities. What are some spiritual mm-hmm. rhythms, mm-hmm. Um, things that you
1: incorporate into your daily life for that spiritual growth to happen? Right. This is a great question. Cause I don't think you can serve from an empty well. Like, so I don't think you can serve as a parent, as a mom from an empty well, but you definitely can't serve in ministry from an empty well because so much is being brought to you every single day and so many needs and we are not the ones who meet those needs God is but if God we're not pouring into our own lives then it's impossible for us to do anything else so I um, am very committed to prayer and reading my Bible every day and so um, it means that that rhythm begins by me going to bed at a reasonable time. And so I work really hard. My husband and I both do um, to work really hard to go to bed at a reasonable time so that I can get up at a reasonable time to spend time in prayer and um, reading, um, reading the Bible. And so that is something that if anything in my life is going to go, that's not going to be mm-hmm. it. So I'll cut something else out before I cut that out. And so much of that for me is because I know my own heart. I know my own propensity to sin. I know my own propensity to fall away and I don't want to. And so I um, desperately, I fight for that time. And so, um, so that's a big, I, but also just like general rhythms of like, I try really hard to, to like really honor that I'm going to have dinner with my family or I'm going to try not to work on a Saturday or things like that. I try to do those. Like if I have at least at least one day where I'm trying to be committed to my family and do something family-oriented, then I do. And then um, regular exercise yep. is one. That's so good.
0: And I hear just the concept of intentionality yes, in that. Yes, yeah. You know, something that I have to remind myself and I think we can all – kind of admit to is Mm -hmm. we'd love for it to happen naturally, like for it to just be something that we're, you know, we wake up in the morning Mm -hmm. and our first thought is, you know, let's Jesus. Jesus. Yes. And my first (laughs) thought is coffee. Uh Yes. Yes. But the intentionality of going to bed early so that you, Position yourself, it, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. to to walk in obedience and faith throughout mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. Those are the rhythms that we're talking about this year, right. you know, here on the Inspire on the Go podcast and through our Growing Together um, theme. Yeah. And so, just really practically speaking, you know, going to bed, getting up, and then whenever you're reading your your quiet mm-hmm. time, you're mm-hmm. in the Word. Mm-hmm. Is that connected to a daily reading plan? Mm-hmm. How how do you do that?
1: Yeah, so our church does um, D groups, and so what I um, so I before I used to read the Bible, Genesis, all the way to Revelation, which some people say that you shouldn't do that. But that it has always worked for me, and that's what I do. So what I do is I do, but I do our de-group reading plan. So reading through the New Testament, you read one chapter a day, five days a week. I also read a New Testament reading where I just read Genesis all the way through um, Malachi, Malachi, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever the last book of the New Testament, Old Testament is. So that's kind of my rhythm: is I read a chapter. If you read, if you read four chapters a day, you'll read the whole Bible in a year. If you read two, and, and you can have some break days in there. If you read two chapters a day, you'll read it in two years. That's so, right. That's so doable. It is so doable. If you think of like it would take you about t- 15, 20 minutes a day to read four chapters, and you'll have read the whole Bible. And so the that is, but I've been. Uh, committed to and so and I have seen like I've been doing this for almost 20 years now Wow! and I actually I mean, I, I really do feel like in the last couple of years only then have I seen significant fruit mm-hmm. and so you think of like the, the your life is like a, the Bible talks about um, spending time in someone is like being a tree planted by streams of water and trees take a lot of time to yes, grow and so yes. I think that that the, the, it will not return void in your life. So I do that. No, a couple of years ago, I was really committed. I was really convicted by the fact that prayer has always been a struggle for me. So reading the Bible not a struggle. Prayer has been a significant struggle. I'd be I di- would be distracted. I just wouldn't pray. I wouldn't know what to do. And so I heard a woman named Janie Ortland on a podcast talk about. How I mean, she's in her 70s, how she was convicted like seven or eight years before that, that she wasn't praying, which encouraged me that someone older than me <laughs> felt that discouraged by prayer. And so she said that she's, she, her discipline was to set a timer for five minutes, that she would pray for five minutes, and every year she would add a new minute to it. And she was up to like 10 minutes at that point a day. And so I was like, I can do that. So that's what I started doing. So now I'm at seven minutes. I've been that's doing right. it for a couple of years. And so I set a timer and I, I use the like a prayer journal where I write down each day kind of what I'm going to pray for. And I just kind of schedule it for myself. This is just, this is how my brain works. Right. That Everyone doesn't have to do it this way. Um, but in seminary, I took a spiritual disciplines class and he talked about praying through scripture and he taught us how to pray through the Psalms. So I pray a Psalm a day. So I pray a Psalm a day for whatever thing I'm praying about. I set a timer. And I have seen fruit. That might feel super rigid to somebody, but at the same time, we are such busy. We live such fragmented lives. And if it's very important to us, if uh, if you run a marathon, you have a regimented training schedule in order to accomplish that goal. And no one looks at somebody who's running a marathon and says, oh, that is so rigid. Why, right. would, you, why would you do that? Well, you do that because it's very important to you that you meet that goal. And if you don't, you will not make it. We, the Christian life is like that. And so it can feel, we want, we, like you were saying, we want it to be this organic, like I'm just going to feel my way through it. But at the end of the day, that's not how life works. And that's not how um, we're We're pulled in so many directions. And so for me, that has helped me tremendously to stay anchored to a task. And um, I have found that I've been felt more connected to the Lord in prayer by having such a discipline to, to do it with. It's so doable. That's mm-hmm. That's a great just... First step, like mm-hmm. just
0: uh, and uh, sustainable, right? You it know, is a lot of times I think what we do is we set this goal and it's yes. not sustainable, right? It's not attainable, right. and then we get frustrated and we just right. give up. But mm-hmm. that is attainable, that's right. doable for yeah. everybody. So I know that's an encouragement to someone who's listening. You mentioned the Old Testament. Yes, I know you yes, love the Old I Testament. Do. I do. You have a new Bible study out uh-huh. that I'm looking at it right now, Promises Kept, Five Old Testament Covenants and How Christ Fulfilled Them. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, so much depth just in that title mm-hmm. alone. Talk to us about covenant, talk to us about mm-hmm. the Old Testament, and really why you're passionate about
1: mm-hmm. this. Yeah, so one of the things um, in we're Baptists and Baptists don't talk about covenant theology a whole lot because we're Baptists. But I was think, but as I, I took a seminary class that kind of walked through the whole story of scripture. And that was the first time I'd ever heard it. And I was like, what the whole Bible fits together. It's not just like one book at a time. And that was really transformative for me. But I think sometimes in the Baptist world, we don't, we don't connect them as much as we could, largely because we're not Presbyterians mm-hmm. and we're not covenant theology people. But, but the Bible is one big story about one big God. And so one of the ways that it's all anchored together is through these covenants and through events that happen throughout the scriptures. And so the Bible said kind of walks through um, not all the covenants, but the five major covenants. And then um, the last week is on the Exodus and the Passover. And really, it, it shows how God is a covenant-keeping God. God is a God who has always had a plan for His people to find its fulfillment in Christ, but then also to see how God takes a really long time sometimes to fulfill His promises. And that's a word for all of us, right? I mean, we how often do we look at our lives and say, I want God to act, I want Him to deliver me, I want Him to do something in my life, and we're waiting on Him to act. And so many of these people in the Old Testament died without ever seeing that come to, to, to fruition. And we live on the other side of that promise kept. And so we can trust that all those unanswered questions that we have will one day find their fulfillment in Christ, but they might not right now. But to study that and anchor ourselves in the story that we're a part of helps us make sense of the life we have now. And also, it, it's, it's our story. This is If we're trusting in Christ, that's our story, Abraham's story and David's story and that's um, all our story as well. And what a solid foundation it mm-hmm. gives
0: us to live our lives upon. Right. You know, So right. often we allow our circumstances mm-hmm. to determine our sense of well-being or right. even our perspective on right. God. But you're saying, let's flip that script. Let's look right. at the big picture story and yes. allow the story to set the tone and stage right. for us to live right. in obedience, but also just in faith um, for who he is and how he faithfully works. Right. So I'm, I'm curious, Courtney, As we're writing, as you're Mm -hmm. writing, I know God's teaching. He's Mm -hmm. pouring in. Mm -hmm. You know, the well
1: is filling up. What did you take away from this study? Oh, um, so much. Um, I think that one is to not be afraid of the Old Testament. I think sometimes you think of if you're in a Bible reading plan and you start in Genesis. You know, everyone starts out strong in January and they're like, I'm in Genesis. I can do this. And they get to like, they get to Exodus and they're still kind of going strong. And then you get to, like, Leviticus, and you're like, what the heck? (laughs) What is going on here? And Numbers and Deuteronomy. And then you get to Judges, and you're like, oh, my goodness, these people are crazy. Yes. And I think it's hard to make sense of that. And I want – I just remember how I felt those times, those first few times I was reading and thinking – this is in the Bible I don't understand this at all and I my takeaway is that it's in the Bible for a reason it's in the Bible for us to know God and to know his ways with us and I and I want women to be able to walk away with some anchored truths um, but again going back to the God keeping his promises piece I, I've been really struck over the last couple of years with how God plays the long game both with us and with with people and how he he doesn't keep time like we keep time the Bible talks about how His timetable is not our timetable and he's not slow to keep his promises as other people count slowness. And I think how often do we, we think it's been a year or it's been two years or it's been a lifetime and that. That's a, such an incredible word for me to trust that I can trust His work in people's lives because He plays the long game with people. So He plays the long game with people. He plays the long game with me. He plays the long game with His with history. And the reason is because He desires people to come to faith in Him and He wants people to see Him and His His ways are not my ways. And so that is just really kind of the big takeaway for me from this, is that. Because I study him in the past, I can trust him in the present and in the future. That's good. That's good. And then I hear even in that what you hope women
0: will mm-hmm. gain from, you know, taking part in this mm-hmm. study, you know, that big picture view of right, God. Right. You know, that, right. that the fact that he is working, he mm-hmm. is moving. What else do you hope women take away as they open God's word mm-hmm. and dig deep into this Bible study?
1: I really hope they take away confidence. So the way this study is designed is it's just a, a general interpretive me- like method, not original to me. It's just the inductive method: observe, interpret, apply. And so you can't apply until you know what the text is saying. And so allowing women um, the time and the and the tools to get in the word for themselves will give them confidence to go back to the Word and, and read it for themselves. And so I I don't want to write something or teach something just for the sake of teaching it or writing. I want to give women the tools to be self-feeders so that they can, they can own this for themselves because I think that's what sometimes um, we lose. We think we need to be able to... Um, have someone tell us what it means and, and the reality is if you're trusting in Christ you have the Holy Spirit you have everything you need that's right and and so I, I hope they gain confidence that's exciting that's so exciting well how can women get a hold of this study all the channels that you buy books, yes. so Amazon. Um, they <laughs> Thank can goodness, get, it yes, can be
0: delivered to your door, right? It can, yep, by tomorrow. So That's they right. um, order so, today, yeah, so that you can get on Amazon,
1: you can get on Moody um, Publishers, and um, any of those other channels. So. Right, yeah. great. And how can they connect with you, follow you? Uh,
0: maybe they want to have you come and speak at their church or at an event. Yeah.
1: So I have a website, CourtneyRysick.com. I wish I could say I updated it regularly, but I do not. Uh, but uh, there is a page there. If someone wanted to have me come speak, great. they could make a request, and then. Um, uh, Courtney Rysick is my handle on all okay. social channels. Very, so. good, very good. Yeah.
0: Well, Courtney, we always end our podcast with this question Okay. and it's so fun to hear all the different, you know, takes and twists and turns on yeah. it, but we want to know what inspires you in life and faith and ministry. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I really do think people inspire me. Their, um, faithfulness, their moldability and, um, in ministry, I think, I spend most of my days um, at a manual Baptist church or at my house. I mean, that's where I spend most of my time. And the people there really do inspire me. They're incredible people who love the Lord, who want to grow, who have a legacy of faithfulness to the scriptures. And um, I feel really blessed to be a part of serving with them and among them. And so, and then also my my kids and my husband. I mean, they are, um, they free me up to do a lot. And my kids, get to be front row seat in ministry and that is great and also hard. So we all sacrifice. And so they really inspire me in their resiliency. That's awesome. Well, thank you so
0: much for joining us today. What a great episode and just practical tools for you as the listener to literally take home, to implement, to apply to your walk so that you can have confidence in who God is, how he faithfully works, and that Jesus sets us free. Mm -hmm. So thanks for joining us on this episode of Inspire On The Go. Thanks for listening. I hope today's episode helps